Hey everybody, this is Patrick Pollock with the Everyday Teacher Podcast. We have made it to episode four and I'm really excited to have the king on, uh, Dave Zog, a very good friend of mine, mentor, uh, almost like a big brother in my educational journey. So I'm really excited to have him on. Uh, he's got a great uh, story to tell how he got into education and what he did in a previous life. And uh, back in the day, this guy could flat out play basketball. So uh, maybe we'll dive into that uh, as well. But uh, today, uh, we're going to hear from uh, uh, Dave Zog. And uh, let's, uh, let's get right into it. Uh, Coach, uh, thanks for being here today. Coach, happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Awesome, awesome. So uh, for the people listening home, uh, I, I call him Z. Uh, I don't think I've called him by his first name. I think this might be one of three times I've ever done that, uh, <laughs> just because uh, it's just kind of how it works. So, Z, how did you get into teaching, and, and specifically, what do you teach? Well, to start with, I teach uh, photography and visual imagery, Photoshop. And in the past, I've taught geography, civics, um, but my, my main education is uh, photography. I was a photo major in college. I worked as a photographer beforehand and just a natural fit. Um, as for getting into education, it was uh, a little bit later in life. I didn't start teaching until I was 34. After a pretty fun career as a photographer doing a lot of different things, I um, moved back to Southern California, had a hard time finding another photography job at a newspaper as a photojournalist and decided to uh, make a change. And the change has been, you know, uh, probably my life's work and, and lucky, I'm very lucky to teach what I love to do and what I did in a previous career and, and what I did in college. I'm, I'm, I'm unbelievably lucky. Awesome. With, with, and, and I think I want to quickly touch on something that you just said is that, you know, you, you started teaching when you were 34. I started teaching when I was 30, let's do the math, 36, 37. If, do, you, do you think having a previous life prior to getting into teaching and maybe just being a little bit older really helped you making that transition early, uh, easier than, say, somebody right out of the gate at that 23, 24-year-old? Oh, I, I think so. I, I know it helped me. I mean, everything I did in my previous, uh, previous education life, all the jobs I had in photography, they helped me um, uh, be a better teacher and have so much experience to, to bring to the kids in, in different fields in photography. You know, I did so many different things. And if I had just jumped right in out of college, I wouldn't have any of that experience to, uh, to bank on. I, I, I couldn't give those life experiences, those stories uh, to the kids. And, and, the, and the kids want to hear that. They want to hear what you did and, and how you do it. Right. And I think specifically with photography, and again, I've been very fortunate. I mean, I first met you in 92 and, uh, you know, whether it's a break in a clipboard or, <laughs> or, uh, yeah. you know, this, this being able to spend some time in, in looking at some of the pictures that you took as a photographer in, in teaching to your point, you know, being able to share those stories, tell those stories and, you know, photography is capturing that, that moment of that story. And I think in, in, in any classroom, being able to draw from those experiences to convey those points of view, whether it's uh, studying the Constitution or trying to find, you know, some type of, uh, you know, uh, 
image that you're trying to take that self portrait or whatever it is, being able to convey that um, perspective, I think is really, really huge. Uh, and having, I think this, those backstories to lean on are, are amazing. I think this makes you more of an effective teacher. Oh, absolutely. I, I, you know, the only reason I wish I got into teaching earlier is so I'd have, uh, you know, 38 years instead of 28 years in the system right now. But <laughs> right, other than exactly. that, you know, other than that, I'm, I'm so happy with almost all the jobs I had um, before I became a teacher. I mean, some weren't so great, but I learned something. Some were wonderful jobs I still miss. Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, I would like to think educators in general are, are lifelong learners, constantly drawing on previous life's experiences, the good, the bad, the ugly, and then having that reflection component to say, hey, this is where I messed up. What did I learn from it? This is what I did really, really well, but how can I make it better? And this was kind of blah, blah, blah. And I think that those are the, what, what I have really you know, really become passionate about is, is that reflection component. And I think mm -hmm. being now being able to do something that I love, uh, you know, I, I just can't get enough of it. I mean, I, I've got my issues, but that's a different conversation, different podcast. <laughs> um, so the pandemic hits, all right, you guys get shut down on Friday the 13th, like everybody else. Um, what was your initial reaction? Number one, number two, how did you kind of streamline it to, to get something out of your kids? Cause again, you're, you're it's a very hands-on class and then three, and I know we were kind of chatting uh, about this prior, but now what are your preparations for fall? Really not knowing anything. Well, uh, March 12th hit that Thursday and I kind of touched on it with my kids thinking, Kids, this is what's going to happen. So we talked about it briefly on the 12th, and I, I still remember vividly on the 13th, I talked to all my classes about it, um, about it's going to happen, kids. We're, we're, we're going to leave school here at some point. And I really thought it would be the next Wednesday or the next Friday. I thought we'd have a few right. days to prepare. I was convinced of it. Obviously, I was wrong. So I told them what I was going to do. And, and, you know, I had all the kids right there. We all signed up for Google Classroom. I had 100% participation in signing up. And uh, which was to me, which was really positive. Uh, right. But I told them I was going to make it easy on them because I know the kids have other stressors at home and other issues at home. And I have a feeling that I know some other teachers were going to probably, um, in my opinion, give them way too much work and pile right. things on. And I didn't want to be one of those people. And I'm also realistic. I teach photography. You know, I'm lucky to teach photography. I teach an elective, something that they want to enjoy and, have fun, and I want them to have a great experience. That's that's my, one of my big right. goals. So, realistically, I just you know um, kind of just have them take photos, document their life, document the pandemic. What are they doing differently? Uh, what few things do you need to survive during this pandemic? All sorts of different things. But again, I made it really easy for them, and some mm -hmm. kids came up with great great ideas. I, I, I can still visualize a couple of. Uh, family portraits that were just <laughs> wonderful, wonderful. Right. Um, you know, some were real basic, just, you know, line them up and take a picture. But I right. can think of two off the top of my head that were just uh, fantastic. In fact, I just right. showed them to somebody a couple days ago. Mm -hmm. That's, yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, in, in some of the other, you know, I talked to, 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 to Coach Lester and, and, and Kirk Brown and, you know, uh, you know, obviously they had, 
there was a bit of a scrambling, but you know, there was still something that they were able to kind of react rather quickly um, and to be able to put out a product. I know, um, you know, my kids, they're at Valencia and, you know, my oldest is at La Paz. And again, kudos to those teachers to be able to turn things around quite quickly and, and give a, a, a solid baseline education. And I think if anything, what this pandemic has shown us is that less is more and we don't need state testing. Again, another conversation for another day. Um, so or I know... ACTs. Or SATs or ACTs, exactly. We survived, you know. Um, with with that being said, though, with we're it, it's it's July one on Wednesday. I mean, it, it's I've been an absolute blur. We you know school starts August seventeenth in in our district, and there there's a there's still a lot of unknowns. And I know uh, the district sometime is very late to pull the trigger, uh, which puts additional stresses on teachers, parents, students. And in this case, I would certainly understand why they would want to pull the parachute at 1,000 feet versus 5,000 feet. I totally get that. Uh But not really knowing the direction that you're going to be in, what what are some things that you're trying to kind of get from the magic eight ball, if you will, to help you prepare for whatever fall may look like? Well, uh, first, I, I agree. Sometimes, uh, do you want to know early what we're going to do? Um, uh, yes, I'd like to know early. Uh, okay, what are we going to do August 17th? But on the other hand, can I wait three or four weeks and maybe they'll make a better and more informed decision? Yeah, I can do that too. So, you know, our district has a tendency to probably uh, wait and see a little bit. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of districts are like that, but some, some jump in a little bit uh, uh, earlier than others and that's that's sure. fine I just you know I would like a month you know give me a month to figure out what we're right. going to do in the meantime though you know I, I I'm on a couple of uh, a number of websites uh, uh, pages I follow a bunch of people and I see what they do and how they ended the year and what they're planning for the fall and I get some great ideas you know as a as a singleton teacher you know I'm the only photo teacher at the school I can't right. collaborate with other people so it's it's nice to have that resource uh, online with people I don't know that right. share things and people are wonderful too. They share examples and lesson plans right. and Google slides and just all sorts of different resources for us. So I'm starting to think that, you know, I save a lot of it. I bookmark things starting to compile just information. If I have to go back in a sure. hybrid or online form and chances are, you know, just thinking about it in a, in a very basic way, I, I figure I would probably start the year to some degree, the way I finish the year, make it easy on the kids, let them right. get involved with it, and then see where we go at that point. We're a little limited because, you know, we don't have, a lot of kids don't have uh, Photoshop at home, and, and a number of kids, they don't have a computer at home to load Photoshop. They have a tablet, right. they have a phone. So we are a little limited. I'm looking at some online uh, image editing software, uh, mm-hmm. maybe that aren't nearly as good as Photoshop, but maybe get some basics out of the way. So a lot of things going on. I, I'm constantly looking and constantly saving items for it. Awesome. Yeah. And I think that, that you make a very interesting point. I think a lot of people don't, and this is actually going to kind of be able to springboard us into the next question about electives as, but as a singleton teacher, um, you, you are your best resource and uh, there might be other 
you know, I know, I know there might be other schools out there that have photography as a class, but you know, it's probably going to be curtailed to whatever their school model is. And I think it's, you know, as a history teacher, you know, I could walk into Lester's room or Geiger's room and be like, Hey, what are your thoughts on this? Or, you know, even now uh, I've got, you know, a, a number of history teachers I can tap into for resources. But I think with, with and, and, and let's go ahead and ask this question now is like, why are electives important? Excuse me. Why are electives important for high school students? Like, like why is the elective such a value, an undervalued, I'm going to make this statement. It's an undervalued course at the high school level for high school kids. And, and, but, but why is it so important? Well, I, I think so many kids need another outlet for uh, their creativity. I mean, that's, that's a, that's, that's a biggie right there. You know, our, uh, our colleague, uh, Paul Weinberger used to call athletics. I mean, a lot of people would call athletics extracurricular. He, he always corrected people and said, no, it's co-curricular. It's, co- it's, it's, it's with the curriculum. And I, I kind of take the same view as electives, whether it's art or ceramics or computer graphics or our old woodshop. These kids yeah. need something else to do and some other outlet to do it. And, and we have a great facility. We, unfortunately, we lost our woodshop, but we have a great uh, auto shop teacher. The, the, you know, a lot of people think everybody's going to college when you and I know that Right. That's, that's old school thinking. People are not going to go to college as, as much as they probably did 15, 20 years ago. And when you're in the classroom, you see it every day. But they have to have some outlet. They have to develop it. And they have to be taught how to develop it. You know, we right. have some teachers in the electives. And um, it's not just the electives, but it's um, vocational education. We have to train them how to, um, you know, work on a car to get a job. You know, our, our Patrick has a great uh, internship programs. And, you know, and a lot of teachers do. Our, our, our chef is a wonderful uh, instructor and, and uh, they're That's great right. people. Kids need these outlets and they need to be able to have fun throughout the day. I think if you're sitting there in a classroom not doing much except listening or in a little group work, you're not going to enjoy it as much. You have to be able to get out and talk to your friends and, you know, uh, right. throw a pot on the wheel and draw something and uh, get oily and greasy. And uh, right. <laughs> you have to do other things in class. You, you just can't do you know, the, the three R's anymore, in my opinion. Yeah. That, and it's interesting. Um, you know, Michael Rowe, who, who did dirty jobs, you know, I, I absolutely love that show. And, and, mm-hmm. um, he, he's got a great Ted talk out there where he, he essentially kind of debunks this, this current state that education is in where we're so academically focused. And if you're a smart kid, you have to have nothing but AP classes or, you know, if you're a remedial kid you're, and, and you really struggle, you know, they're just going to throw you into the college prep courses and it's either sink or swim for you. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's a challenging bout all the way around. I mean, I remember the four years when I was at Laguna Hills, there were a number of opportunities each year to take an elective. And it was actually encouraged, you know, the guidance counselors back in the day, Mrs. Kawada, um, um, Mrs. Uh, oh, I'm going to draw a blank on all of them. But, yeah, court, court, yeah. Court. yeah, so they they were like, hey, let's look at see how we can squeeze in a, an elective in. And I, I think to your point, and, and it's, it's, it's a universal truth, if we were to draw, you know, divide our kids up in the boxes, you know, there's there's 50% of the, of the high school really driven toward college, in, in whether it's junior college or a four-year institution. Mm-hmm. And then there's probably 30% 
that may, maybe, maybe not, but they're better off working because of whatever their situation is. And then there's the kids that just don't care. And, and there's nothing wrong with that group. Eventually they'll end up in that middle pocket where they're um, being, you know, exposed to the workplace. And I think, you know, if, if we as a educational institution, as a body, you could get a lot out of the core curriculum. Yeah, you, you totally can. And that's not to be dispelled, but kids to your point need that outlet. They need something else to sink their teeth into because at the last time I checked AP tests don't help you get a job. They don't. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, you take the AP test if that's what you want to do. Some colleges don't even acknowledge the AP test anymore. Um, you know, a, a lot of private schools like, Hey, I'm really happy that you spent, you know, $400 on testing your, but it doesn't, it doesn't transfer over. So mm-hmm. I just, I think that every student and especially your freshman and sophomore year, which I think your freshman year should be your easiest year, your senior year should be hardest. And I'm in the minority in that. Um, because your freshman year, you're transitioning from junior high to high school and high school is just a different ball game altogether. The rules are different. The people are different. The enormity is different. And I think that freshman year, you have your four core classes, but you take keyboarding or you take horticulture or you get woodshop or my freshman year, I had to take um, computer basic, you know, with Mr. Moore. Remember Mr. Moore? The more the the merrier. Um, And then everybody took typing second semester, you know, you, you're in the, the, the computer lab was a typing lab. So I just think that uh, electives, it, it's, it's really unfortunate that electives are not a priority these days. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, T- T- Tessa's become a, a tremendous artist and she's loving art at La Paz, but she's, she, she's like, well, when do I get to take my elective? And I said, the reality is, is based academically where, where they're going to structure you, it won't be to your junior year. You know, it's like, you, you know, she goes, well, do I have to take all honors classes? And absolutely not. I go, you're going to take two honors classes, honors, English, honors, history. Why? Because you like those subjects. They focus on reading and writing and you're really strong at that. I'm not going to bog you down with this other traditional thing. And, it, and so your junior and senior year, you can have those fun elective classes and and just to remove the stress now not every parent has the same knowledge that we have about the system you know that they just think they they were told this at one point at a back to school night at a gate meeting and now they're just cramming stuff down their throat and they don't understand why the kids are burnt out by the by their senior year you know so but yeah we just i think electives are key and so listeners, uh, Z is actually retiring after this year. We were talking that about it beforehand. So uh, I am hoping, I am praying that uh, the school just doesn't let the class go. It, it's been a staple at Laguna Hills. The photography class, um, before you, was Mrs. Malik, wasn't it? Uh, it was, right. Yeah. yeah so, um, and I know she was also in charge of your book, too. So um, I hope they find some, uh, somebody with uh, the same passion, not the same expertise, uh, but uh, definitely uh, th- not to just, you know, go the way of the dodo with that. Uh, I hope so too. I, I am, as I 
probably talked to you about it before. I'm a little bit worried about it, you know, mm -hmm. um, because we, um, you know, everybody's a photographer now because they have a, a phone in their pocket. Yes, they do. And it's kind of difficult to, I wouldn't say convince, but, you know, some other people have a little different idea for what, what electors we should have on campus. Right. You know, you know, I'm an old school dude and, you know, we still have a dark room. Yeah, that's awesome. be in the dark room. And I know that 99.9% .9 of them will never use it after high school, but just to give them that experience, I mean, they really enjoy right. it. And to give right. them so many different experiences and um, expose them to art in photography and photojournalism and fine art photography and so many different things, it just allows them to, you know, see the world a little bit. You know, I incorporate yeah. with my stories, what I've done is, uh, you know, we mentioned how did I get into it. My, as a photojournalist, all the things that I've done as a photojournalist, uh, I think you know in the past, I used to be a surgical photographer where I would take yeah. pictures in surgery. You know, that right. killed some of the kids, and some kids go, let's, let's <laughs> see some photos. <laughs> Woo! There's I was a clean. photographer. I, I was a freelance photographer. I've done so many different things. And, um, you know, just to talk about that and give them stories and tell them about the experiences and, and let them see different things. You know, it's, to me, it's just so valuable, whatever field you're in. And I'll, you know, as a lifelong, you know, photo dude, um, <laughs> it would be, it would be hard to see the, the department go away. But on the other hand, right. I could see it happening, unfortunately. Um, yeah. I, it'd be a sad day, you know, because we have such a great facility and sure. great equipment that we've collected over the years. And, um, you know, the kids, the, as you said, the kids need things like this. They need right. to be more hands-on. And I, I've always been that way in my class. It's a hands-on, you know, um, activity-based, um, project-based class. And right. uh, I hope it doesn't go away, really. I know there's a yeah. couple teachers who have asked me about taking over. Uh, a couple former students have, but they're not quite ready yet. You know, they're probably two sure. or three years to college, but uh, it would be nice right. if they could slide right in there. Yeah. 1-0 is a big photo guy and he does all that other stuff yes. so that would be he could just knock down that wall he'd have that one big room he'd be <laughs> he'd no. be happy as a clam <laughs> we had plans to do that about um, oh i don't know it's got to be 10 years ago when they did the school right. renovation we were going to put that's a right. tent wall. remember that yeah and that's thought, right. i know i think it was sean said you know it's going to cost about ten thousand dollars i just don't think we can do it right now and and we didn't. Yeah. I'm glad we didn't because Kevin, you know, Kevin does a great job next door with computer Absolutely. graphics. He's got a great program yeah. over there. Yes, he does. So, all right. So this is the question that I think everyone needs to pay attention to because I, I've been able to uh, partake in this event. And I think really the, this is kind of what I really want to talk about is, is not only school culture, but staff culture and so what i guess it's past tense now which is sad but what was wiener wednesday oh wiener wednesday was um something john lester and i talked about way back when and he was coaching all the time so i kind of took over and um shopped every tuesday at smart and final got all the supplies for it some teachers brought it in every wednesday for about seven years, we had um, jerky come over and barbecue outside my classroom, as you mentioned, called Wiener Wednesday. We'd barbecue hot dogs. Um, teachers would bring salads and desserts and cookies and cakes. And 
everybody looked forward to it. It was just a wonderful way to bring the staff together. And, you know, um, over the years, we've had such a great staff. You know, we've, we, you've heard us call, we could call it the, the golden age when we yes. had wonderful administration and staff and teachers and everybody was just on the same page. And that was just a great way to, um, to bring everybody together, bring the new teachers together. And, and uh, it, it, was, it was wonderful. Uh, it just, uh, it was a, a great thing to do. We kind of stopped it because I probably ran out of steam there. But again, seven right. years of uh, shopping and barbecuing and cleaning up yeah. and, and losing money. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, but it was all worth it because it brought everybody together. Yeah. And you talk about that. And, you know, another things that brings the staff together, just little things, you know, um, college shirt Tuesdays. You know, yes. we, we, we kind of pushed the staff to um, wear college uh, uh, T-shirts or our polo shirts or sweatshirts on yeah. Tuesday. And um, it's just a fun thing to do. Kids always ask. Kids kind of get involved with it. And sure. a lot of teachers um, really jump into a lot of these things. In fact, I'm not sure if you know, you probably probably do, but, you know, one of the teachers who will wear a Saddleback shirt or a Michigan State yes. shirt, and right. he's at every event because he's such a supporter and such a true hawk. Absolutely. He just announced his retirement, Jim Tamales. I know. Kurt, Kurt told yeah. me that, and I was like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> and that's tough, man. I mean, we need teachers yeah. like that because – yeah, Jim was older but and uh, had a lot of years in the system, but had such great experience. And the kids loved him, and he was such a good teacher, is such a good teacher. Right. And right. Uh, that's the type of teacher we need who can um, be visible. And so many teachers, you know, we talk about five and drive. Right. You never see him in anything. And, and uh, a guy like Jim Tamales, you know, is uh, just uh, the epitome of being a great teacher and a great role model for these kids and for the other teachers, the young teachers who – I think Absolutely. sometimes you don't really know how to be a teacher or be part of a high school community, but you know, Jim, right. Jim, Jim was wonderful and uh, he'll be, he'll be really missed. And we yeah. have a lot of teachers like that, that are very active and a lot that aren't so active, unfortunately, because of, you know, family commitments or they just, again, True. they don't really know how to get involved. Right. Yeah. It's, it's yeah, it's, it's, yeah. It, it Wiener Wednesday was a highlight, you know, when I was doing my student teaching, when I was actually on campus, just these were things that you would look forward to. You would get that email and uh, you would see, you know, different people respond. Hey, I'll bring this, I'll bring that. Mm -hmm. So and this is, this is the great mystery. And, and this is something that's going to have varying opinions is that, you know, who, who should be responsible for developing a strong culture amongst the staff? Should it be the staff members? Should it be administrators? Should it be a 50-50 proposition? Because, I mean, again, I was fortunate to be able to work with a number of teachers I had when I was in high school. Um, you know, Coach Jarmy, Mr. Sisman. Um, you know, I knew Jurgi because Jurgi was, uh, Mr. Jurgemeyer was, uh, he taught ceramics and he was the athletic trainer and, and he was just a man of many trades. Um, you know, Mr. Gunderson, and, and these are people that were anchors in the educational process at Lincoln Hills from 1980 up until just recently. And yeah. um, and then, of course, you and Lester and, and Macaray and you know, Mr. Tamales came over and funny story about Mr. Tamales, a girl I was teaching with at um, CBCS, she, they asked her to teach a math class and she didn't have a textbook. I said, this is, is statistics. I said, this is the guy you need to talk to. 
And I put her in touch with him. He invited her over to class. You're going to sit here. You're going to watch me teach it. And then we're going to help you get going. I mean, and it's just just the kind of guy that he is. He's not going to let, whether you're a student, whether you're a peer, whether you're a young teacher, he's not going to let you fail. And and, and I think just being, you know, he's as the kind of person is. So back to my question is, is, who should be responsible for the culture of the staff? Well, I think it should be a shared effort, uh, but I think um, I think it needs to be directed from the top. I mean, our administration, uh, all four or five of them, they need to really push uh, teachers into being involved. I wish there was a requirement um, like there used to be of, you know, you had to do, you know, X number of events, but, you know, that right. went by the wayside you know, many, many years ago. But um, I think if you can get more teachers involved to get their friends on campus involved, you're going to have more participation. But uh, you know how people are. I think unless it's a direct order sometimes, a lot of them aren't going to do it, which is, which is a shame because this is why you're at a high school to me. I mean, right. your, your connection with the kids, I've said, I've told you this before, you know, no matter what you teach, it could be photography or AP physics. But to me, your, your connection with the kid is so important and not as important as the subject matter. I mean, they have to get that and understand it, but it's, it's a huge component to them doing well um, on campus, in class, in their activities, just being a better citizen too. I, I'm, I'm so convinced and I don't know what led me to that many years ago, but it's just, you have to have that good rapport with the kids and you have to be human. Right. You, know, you have to be human in that classroom and, and right. enjoy the kids and that's, that's, that's probably the biggest thing I, I, I regret about uh, the pandemic because, you know, I missed the kids for the last three months. It was tough. It was tough not right. seeing them all the time. Sure. Yeah, no, definitely. You know, that's been the sentiment, no matter who we've talked to, who I've talked to as a teacher. And I think, I think just what you said right there is, is going to lead us right to, to kind of our final question is, is I, I want to, I'm going to throw this quote out there. And you just touched on it, which is great. Um, great segue. And the quote is this. And, and this quote I got from Tim Kite. Tim Kite is, uh, he hosts a podcast called Focus 3 Podcast. He, it's in conjunction with Urban Meyer, um, Coach Urban Meyer. And they look at all facets of use. Yeah. So, yeah, that's right. Um, all facets of leadership, of culture. And the other day they were talking about um, uh, hope and opportunity was the title. And uh, they were talking about in engagement. And, and Tim Kite says this. He says, level of connection drives the level of commitment. Level of connection drives the level of commitment. And, and you just really, you know, got the hammer out and started hammering. Is how important is that connection with the students? to get them to essentially buy in? Oh, I think it's critical. Um, you know, and it kind of happened this year. I, I didn't hear about this, this little event until maybe a few weeks ago. I've got a, a really uh, a nice kid. He's on my golf team. Mm -hmm. He's in my class. And I would say he probably slacked off a little bit this year and, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> with a few things, but he's such a good kid. You know, I really enjoy sure. him. I have a nice connection. I've known him for three years now. And when I was talking to mom about, well, he needs to get better at his online stuff. He's missing this. He's missing that. Mm -hmm. I, 
I would send him screenshots or send her screenshots of uh, sure. the Google Classroom where he's, you know, missing, missing, late, missing. <laughs> right. We have chat, and she said, well, he's just got other things going on. He's got a job now. He's just kind of drifted off his senior year. And, and he really played golf um, for you. Wow. I was a little taken aback because, you know, I know we have a good relationship, but when she said that, you know, he probably didn't want to play golf this year as a senior, uh -huh. but, uh, and I might be mistaken, but, um, but he did it because he, he, he's been on it for two years and he's just a really solid, solid kid who, like I said, right. probably uh, faded a little bit at the end of his senior year, but, you know, it was really kind of a nice comment to hear that, that, you know, he didn't sure. want to disappoint me when, I understand where if you didn't want to play golf, you know how it is. They have different right. things to do. Uh, but, you know, I appreciate that. And that's just part of that connection you have with the kids and, and uh, other connections you have. Um, and simple things. You know, you're friends with a lot of your former students on Facebook. You see what they do. You see their lives yeah. and see their kids. And it's, it's wonderful. But it's that part of it, as I mentioned earlier. You, you just can't, you can't beat it. You could, be, you could be a role model to those students and a mentor without even really knowing that that's what they need at the time. And, um, you know, I value those connections and I really try to keep that in mind every day when I'm in the classroom. That's part of the reason why I, I just, I, I hated being out of the classroom the last few months. Right. No, for sure. And I think, you know, it, it, it's your personality too. I think, you know, uh, you can, you're easy to gravitate toward. All right. So for those people who can't see, the uh, uh, Zog here, he's about six, five. Okay. So he's, he's got a, he's a big guy, but there's nothing. And, and I, I don't, I don't want this to come off the wrong way, but you're very approachable. Like, you, like the first time I met you is like, hmm. there was just something that, that drawn me toward as a result. We've been friends all this time and uh, we've coached together. Um, you've, you've, you've definitely helped me along with my educational process and, and just to be able to have a personality where kids want to do things for you, I think it's certainly a testament as who you are, not only as a teacher, but as a person. And I think the relationships you have uh, established um, on campus and, and why people come uh, to your classroom at lunch and to sit down and to put their feet up. Um, literally and figuratively, uh, to have lunch, to be able to get something off their chest. And, and you, you always offer this calm response. And e even if it's something that a kid doesn't want to hear, I mean, there's certainly, we have had conversations where you've basically kind of said, yeah, knucklehead, don't do that. But <laughs> I never walked away feeling the beat down. I felt that, you know, Hey, it, it was like a form of therapy. And I think when students have that connection with you. I mean, they will run through walls for you. And, and you know, I, at, whether I was at Laguna Hills, at Laguna Beach, teaching small private or where I'm at now uh, in the virtual space, I'm, 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 I still get those kids that need people to invest in them. And these are typically the kids that nobody wants to deal with. And, and that's great. Bring them, you know, and I, I just, I want to, find out what makes them tick and, and to be able to create those relationships to connect with them in some capacity and have that bargaining chip. So when you really need them to step up, they will. Now they may fail and that's fine. That's, that's not what I don't think the commitment needs to be. The commitment needs to actually the, the physical participation and what you're trying to do 
And whatever the result is, is the result. And I think that's something that if we don't have that strong level of connection with each kid, and I know that's hard, especially if you have a classroom of 35, it takes time to talk to Billy and Susie and Kenny and Jennifer. And, but as you go, you know, one thing that, and I think Whiny told me this oddly enough, he goes, I said, how do you remember everybody's name? And he's like, well, I know everybody's name by the end of the first day. I go, that's just not right. You know, <laughs> he goes, he's like, no, no, no. He's, he's like, you, 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 you take a, you take a moment and engage in a personal conversation with each student, you know, four or five kids of class period for the uh -huh. first week. And then you make those notes. And I did that. I did that with my student teaching. It was amazing. I'm like, okay, so-and-so is a soccer player. So-and-so likes to surf. So-and-so works at, you know, Tilly's, whatever it is. But it was like, it's, it's once you can find that level of connectivity when it comes to actually the teaching part and they realize you're in it with them, they're, they're totally willing to, to do their best and, and, and not to disappoint you. They're going to mess up. But I think messing up and disappointing are two different things as far as student behavior. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're getting back to the classroom thing. I've tried to make it a nice, welcoming environment. You know, we, we, as you know, we have a kind of a cozy little classroom. Yeah. And we do have a lot of visitors, which I um, always, uh, always love because, you know, when the administrators come in or another teacher walks in, I, th I think the kids need to see you communicate with other adults and also communicate with the kids. You know, I'm lucky in my class because... You know, I have a class where almost every student and I have a one-on-one -on -one conversation every day. They show right. me, they say, how do I do this? Can you help me with this? You know, I'm, I'm on roller skates, but I like it that way. I remember 20 years ago or so, um, Clay Sisman came in my room, and I was getting bombarded with individual questions as we were having a conversation also. And he looked at me after, you know, the eighth one and said, how do you do this? And this is from a great veteran teacher who, you know, I have tremendous respect for, but, you know, he teaches a different way and a very different subject where I have this one-on-one -on -one connection because they yeah. don't know much. It's a brand new subject every single day, which is the way I like it. And as for kind of a low-key guy. Okay, we're back. Had a little bit of a technical hiccup, but that is going to happen. We're here with Dave Zong high school teacher at Lucanales High School, teaches photography, and we were talking about the quote, level of connection drives the level of commitment. And uh, just kind of some final thoughts on that. Moving forward, how do you, ha how do you make that connection in, in a virtual environment? Like what, what are some ways that you think you can come up with to try and make those connections? It's not gonna be like, you know, your room, that, that, that's a truth. Mm -hmm. But, you know, maybe what are one or two ways you think you can kind of tap into that, 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 that ability to connect with your students moving forward in a virtual arena? Well, I hope when we go back to school, it's, um, it's some type of hybrid to begin with, because I think you can, you can establish that, uh, that connection a little bit through Zoom meetings. But, but I think you, you, so much you really have to be involved with the kids and maybe make a better effort or a, a great effort. Uh, when you do see those kids twice a week, where you can continue with them Zoom meeting and 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 just bring that connection full circle, I think I think it's very difficult to have that connection. Uh, at least I'm anticipating with brand new kids, you know, 120 new kids, right. where you see a little uh, thumbnail picture of them, and that's all you <laughs> have of them. It's 
Right. I think it's going to be a big challenge. And, you know, as we talked about earlier, that's, that's one of the best parts of the job is, is uh, right. getting that connection with the kids and talking to the kids every day and, and seeing the kids you had last year and the kids you coach. And um, sure. you know, I have advanced kids in my class um, uh, every period. So, you know, I, I have got a little bit of a rapport with them. Um, but the new kids, the, the, the 105 or 110 new kids, right? I won't know at all. So it's, um, but I, as I said at the beginning, I think I'm getting some really good ideas from uh, some of these, the sites and pages that I follow about how they, uh, how people across the country are doing it because everybody's going right. back to school a little bit differently and, and there's, sure. a, there's a ton of ideas out there. So I've got to, I've got to do some research and really try to figure out what's going to be um, best for me. Yeah, no, I mean, you know, obviously, you know, I teach in the virtual space. So we're trying to, you know, one of, one of the things that people told me going into this jump when going from traditional classroom to the virtual arena is, you know, one of the things you're really good at is those connections with the kids. And, um, and that was you've something always, you've always had that. I mean, yeah, that's, that's always been really easy for you. And in, in, in my opinion, because, you know, you, you have a great rapport with kids and, and a great connection with kids. So it's really easy for, uh, to, to me, it would be easier for you because, you know, you're so personable. Um, I think sometimes people view me, you right. mentioned me, you know, I'm tall. And sometimes um, I, I can be probably just because of that, because I'm right. not a big smiler and I don't have this outgoing personality is, is um, you know, kids are maybe a little bit off put or a little, um, uh, a little intimidated, you know, they're, sure. they're, they're a foot and a half shorter than me and they go, Oh my God, who's this? <laughs> uh, so uh, I'll probably look for you to, to you as a resource and say, right. Pat, how do I do this, man? You've been doing it for a while. I, I wear a rainbow wig and a, and a red nose. And uh, no, I think in, I think the thing more than anything is that I have found is I'm just going to be me and I'm antiquey. I, my ADD kicks in, which is great. I tell random stories, uh, but have mastered the ability to rein it back in. Um, and uh, I was able to make some really good connections. And, and when COVID hit and they, they changed our, um, they changed our schedule as well. I had definitely a dip in attendance, but the kids that were there were, were there to the end. And, and I called them the faithful and, uh, they got real comfortable asking questions, interacting with one another, and it, it ended up just being a lot of fun. And, and whether I'm teaching, you know, uh, to 200 kids or 38 kids, it, it didn't matter. And I think it's just I'm not going to change who I am uh, just because I can't see the kids. And uh, which is weird, you know, you would think there'd be some level uh, you know, some inhibitor, but no, nah, I mean, I'm, uh, if anything, I was more antiques. I could jump around and I was in my house and, you know, the dogs loved it. They're like, what is he doing? Um, you know, <laughs> I can imagine. But, yeah, but it, you know, I think connectivity, if, if that's not a priority through teachers and, and you and I both know teachers that connect connection with the students is not their gift. Um, you know, but if they're not driving that stake home, um, you know, it, it's, it's tough. And, and again, I hope that we are heading to a, to a direction where even in a hybrid model, we still have that ability to uh, be in front of the students, even if it's for a couple hours a week, that physical 
I'm going to call it confrontation, but it's not a confrontation, but that physical interaction of student, teacher, school community, um, if anything, will put some people's minds at ease. And I think uh, that as we grasp to whatever we, whatever strands of normalcy right now, um, definitely teacher, pupil, classrooms, not ergonomically sound desks and chairs, um, whiteboards, um, unless you're in Gunderson's room, the blackboard. Um, it's, it's something that, uh, you know, hopefully that's, that's where we're trending. Mm -hmm. Well, I agree. You know, I, um, you know, I guess I'm too old to change and, and change that personality. It's, it's, <laughs> the, the kids will understand that you care about them when you right. talk to them, when you see them in class. Yeah. You're not going to have them every day, but Right. You know, you think you just, as I mentioned earlier, you really have to work hard to develop that rapport with the kids to um, get them, as you mentioned, to to uh, perform, to right. to to do their assignments, to enjoy what you're teaching, and and hopefully take it to the next level. No, for sure, for sure. Well, look, man, I know you and I could talk for the next six hours, preferably in a golf cart chasing a little white ball. I mean, I think that would be ideal. Yeah, that, buddy. <laughs> I think our next Zoom meeting is going to be at uh, at Lake Forest. Um, I've got Zoom on my phone. There you go. Exactly. You can sit in one car. I can sit in the other car. <laughs> It'll be perfect. Well, look, I, I can't thank you enough for for sitting in with uh, with me here. And then maybe, and this is where I might need you to to help negotiate a deal. But maybe Liz would want to come on, and and I would love to pick her brain about her educational career because I'm sure she has got just oodles and oodles of insight of not only her years of teaching, but the direction the teaching is going. So maybe, maybe that's something I can, we can broker. <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll have a chat with her. Um, exactly. You know, just, as you know, she just retired yeah. a few weeks ago and, and after 30 plus years and in the last three months, you know, she's, she's a dedicated first grade teacher. I mean, the, the best teacher I know. Right. And to see the work that she put in over the last three months, it's just incredible. And how she got the kids involved and the time she put in. Um, I think she put in more time um, uh, during, the, during the pandemic, the shutdown, than she did during the regular school year, if that's possible. I mean, she's just right. so dedicated. And she didn't want to go out this way. Yeah, but, um, I bet. She, you know, she had a great class. And. And she's she's pretty happy right now as uh, that's awesome as a, as a retired teacher. I'll uh, I'll try to convince her. Yeah, it, I mean whatever you need to do to sweeten the deal, you just let me know. So, but <laughs> um, but hey, again, I can't thank you enough. I look forward to uh, maybe uh, maybe dudes. We're gonna have to maybe do a dudes podcast. That might that could get ugly, but uh, that might, be that might fun. because that definitely talks about school culture and staff culture. So maybe we'll have to figure that out. Um, uh, I'm over that one. Yeah. So, but uh, again, I can't thank you enough. We'll, uh, we'll get this posted here later this week. Um, all right, gang, that is it for episode four. Uh, Dave Zog, thank you so much. Uh, go Hawks. And uh, I appreciate everything you do. Um, good luck with your final, final year teaching. Um, it's, it's going to be, uh, those kids are going to be blessed to have you. So, all right, that's it. That's all we got for today. It's a good one. It's a long one, but I can't think of a better hour and a half to spend with a great friend. And uh, we'll talk to you soon and keep learning. Mm -hmm.